Chapter twenty four of Say and Seal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Say and Seal by Susan Warner. Chapter twenty four. Very early it was when Faith's hammer was at work again on the brown moreen and short interruption did she give herself from anything that could be spared till the box was done it suited her well when it was done the cover was stuffed old-fashioned brown binding was lapped over the edges and seams and fastened off with rows of brass-headed nails which made it altogether an odd handsome antiquated-looking piece of furniture with this when her morning work was done and her exercise prepared faith went up to mr linden's room to see it brought in and placed properly I shall have to put a stop to the state of things, he said. That blue ribband will work me mischief yet. Miss Faith, how can you take advantage of my disabled condition? Are you better this morning, Mr. Linden? The time has not quite come yet for me to do much better. But, Miss Faith, if I had known that you would wake yourself up early this morning, what do you think I should have done? I can't think, Mr. Linden, she said, looking merry. I should have invited you and Mrs. Derrick up here to breakfast which i only did not do because i could not take the extra trouble upon myself and because i knew you ought to sleep till this time faith shook her head a little perhaps sorry to have missed the breakfast then went off and brushed away the dust and chips left round the wood-box then came and sat down i saw almost everything last night mr linden well before you go off to last night will you come to-morrow morning now what did you see the bright smile and flush and sparkle answered the invitation and perhaps faith thought no other answer was needed for she gave no other i know now she said after an instant what you were doing all yesterday afternoon mr linden i know what you were miss faith she smiled innocently and went on all that just fitted me as you meant it should to take the good of the evening and i had a great deal she said gravely i saw almost everything you spoke of and other things I saw the chalk shells, Mr. Linden, and the circulation in a frog's foot, and different prepared pieces of skin, and the moth's plumage, and the silver scale armor of the lapisma, as Dr. Harrison called it, and more. And with very great delight, as I knew you would, I am very glad. Yes, said Faith, I know a little better now how to understand some things you said the other day. I am very glad I went only for one thing. What was that? Dr. Harrison asked such a strange thing of me as we were walking home. At least it seems to me strange. May my judgment be brought to bear upon it, Mr. Linden said, after a moment's silence. Yes, indeed, said Faith. That was what I was going to ask. He wants me to go with him to see a woman who is dying, he says, and miserable. And he wants me to talk to her. He says he does not know how and half modestly half timidly she added is not that going out of my way a quick peculiar smile on mr linden's face was succeeded by a very deep gravity once or twice the lips parted impulsively then took their former firm set and shading his eyes with his hand he looked into the fire in profound silence very soberly but in as absolute repose of face faith now and then looked at him and meanwhile waited for his thoughts to come to an end Dr. Harrison said, she remarked after a little while, that you once told him he had but half learned his profession. What did you say, Miss Faith? I mean not to that, but to the question. 
I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to go at all. I don't know whether that was wrong or right, but at last I said I would go. Do you think I was right, Mr. Linden? Did you promise to go with him? I didn't know any other way to go, said Faith. I don't know where the woman lives, and he said I couldn't find it, and old Crab has a lame foot. Dr. Harrison asked me to go with him. I don't think I should have minded going alone. Neither should I mind having you, said Mr. Linden, with a look more doubtful and anxious than Faith had often seen him wear, though it was not bent upon her. Do you think I said wrong, then, Mr. Linden? I did not like to go, but I thought perhaps I ought. I don't think you did wrong, was the somewhat definite answer. I wish I had been alongside of you when the request was made. A wish which he had not been the first to know. Faith was silent. You made a fair promise, he said, and feel bound by it? I said I would go, she said, looking at him with her fair, grave face. If you thought it was wrong, or that I was putting myself out of my way, I would not, Mr. Linden. He asked if he might come for me at two o'clock, and I said yes. Miss Faith, you must not make such a promise again. She looked at him inquiringly, very soberly, and then her eyes went to the fire and mused there. Mr. Linden was looking at her then, though with eyes still shielded. Once indeed the hand came with a soft touch upon her hair, drawing it back where it had fallen a little, but the motion was quickly checked. She started, looked round with a little frank smile and color, and instantly went back to her musing. "'I'm afraid I must let you go,' Mr. Linden said presently, smiling a little too, as if it were no use to be grave any longer. "'I'm afraid I have no right to hinder you. If I had, I would. Some other time I will tell you part of the wherefore, but the less I say to you before you go, the better. About that,' he added in his usual manner, "'I think we might write another exercise.' She started up, but paused. "'Mr. Linden,' she said timidly, "'Dr. Harrison said he would not be here this morning. Would you like to have me first? It would be only pleasure to me if you are not afraid. Do what he does for you?' He answered at first rather quick, as if he knew what sort of pleasure it was. "'Oh, no, I can wait. It cannot signify very much.' And then, with as quick a recognition of the real pleasure it would be after all, Mr. Linden compounded matters. I am afraid. Miss Faith, I am naturally timid. What does that mean? said she, coming before him and looking with an inquisitive smile. I don't know, Mr. Linden. Do you expect me to explain such a humiliating confession? No, certainly. I thought perhaps you wouldn't keep to it after all. I am a little afraid for you. What do you suppose I shall do this afternoon while you are gone? I don't know, she said, looking a little wistfully. I shall lie here and study that wood-box. You see, I carry out my principles, Miss Faith. I have not thanked you for it. I don't think you'll study it very long, said Faith. There isn't much in it. Somebody has said, replied Mr. Linden, that in every subject there is inexhaustible meaning. The eye sees in it what the eye brings means of seeing. You must not limit my power of eyesight. If you wouldn't limit my power of something else, she said with gentle persistency. He looked up at her. "'I will not, Miss Faith. Then will you please perform your kind office at once? It will be a great comfort to me, and I shall be the better able to do something for you afterwards.' And the manner almost made Faith feel as if the proposition had come from her at first. She went about it, 
she went about it not this first time without some trembling of heart but with also a spirit that rose above and quite kept down that she knew exactly and intelligently what was to be done it was only the hands that were unwanted and therefore she feared unskillful but there are things that some women have by nature and a skillful hand is one of them and it was faith's her womanly love and care were enough for all the rest she made no mistakes nor delays and her soft fingers inflicted no pain that it was in the power of fingers to spare a little longer than the doctor she was perhaps about it not much and not more awkward and that is saying enough so soon as that was done faith went for her exercise and sat down as yesterday to write it he too went on with the exercise but watching her lest relief might be wanted in another quarter there was nothing of that though quiet and very great satisfaction was the result of the matter in faith's mind at least it was all she permitted to be seen and now she gave herself happily to the connection of her nouns and adjectives and to watching against the german or sophisticated letters in her handwriting the exercise indeed was fast taking a very compound character so much so that faith might well begin to suspect there had been a twofold reason for proposing it but mr linden had a peculiar way of teaching especially of teaching her and made her almost forget in the pleasure of learning the fact that she had need to learn and as for his memory on the subject or his perception of how it might touch her they were out of sight she might have been a little child there at his side for the grave simplicity and frankness of his instructions and so exercise and reading and philosophy followed on in a quiet train and the surface of the earth revealed new wonders and the little french book was closed at the end of a pretty chapter whenever i get about my duties again miss faith mr linden said i shall make one very stringent rule for our future intercourse what's that mr linden she said with the face of quick deep pleasure she always wore when about any of her studies with him from the time when i come home to dinner till i go off again i will neither speak nor be spoken to miss faith except in french that is you may speak but i shall not answer faith started a little looked puzzled and looked terrified as much as she ever did but rather close with looking as if it was impossible i should make the rule at once said mr linding smiling but i foresee that you would absent yourself entirely now when i am downstairs you will have to see me whether you want to or not but i don't know one word said faith breathlessly i am afraid i shall not say or hear much mr linden oh you shall hear a great deal i will take that upon myself faith shook her head gave the fire a final mending and ran off for it was again an hour past the midday mr linden's dinner came up and was hardly removed before dr harrison followed well linden he said coming jauntily in i hope you haven't missed me this morning not in the least i am glad of that how do you do i will try and put you in condition not to miss me this evening though it is benevolent added the doctor pulling off his left glove it is a great secret to make oneself missed it is a secret your gloves will hardly find out by my fire said mr linden how well you look doctor not a bit like naught at all no said the doctor i believe i disclaimed that particular sphere of existence yesterday one had need to be one and somewhat in this wind if one will keep a place in a wagon or elsewhere but fire mustn't tempt me linden i'll see to you and be off and decide what i'll be afterwards you may be off without preamble do you mean to dismiss me exclaimed the doctor raising his eyebrows have i said that you must accept my poor services why no said mr linden doubly no i am most happy to see you doctor 
the happiness will be mutual when i have the felicity of understanding you said the doctor settling himself in an attitude mr linden surveyed him from head to foot i perceive indeed that you are one and somewhat he said you still need the four azure chains do you need explanations too if you'll be so good said the doctor or ha you don't mean that do you my arm has been dressed said mr linden quietly never trust a woman said the doctor wheeling round i thought she had got enough of that yesterday did she do it well excellently well your face says so as well as your tongue said the doctor with an odd manner of despair i have lost not my occupation for i never had any but i have lost my power over you and she has got it i don't know how to whistle or i suppose i could take comfort in that mr linden did not whistle nor laugh nor speak all that could be said of him was that he lay there very quiet with his eyes open looking remarkably well let a woman alone for doing what she has a mind to do the doctor went on in his usual manner now putting on his gloves i tell you what linden they're the hardest creatures to manage there are boys are nothing to them well good morning good morning said mr linden i hope you will be able to manage the wind the dr harrison who had been upstairs was not at all the dr harrison that met faith in the hall and escorted her to the carriage grave gentle graceful but especially grave for some reason or other he was and not the less for that agreeable she thought faith was in a sober mood herself for she was about an undertaking she did not much like and which mr linden had liked even less faith pondered as they drove swiftly along what the particular objections had been which he had not chosen to tell her and now and then thought a little uneasily of the coming interview with the doctor's patient with dr harrison himself for auditor and spectator she did not like it but she had honestly done what she thought right and mr linden had said she was not wrong and she was bound on the expedition which she could not get rid of so though these considerations did float over and over her mind they did not shake what was nevertheless a very happy peacefulness faith was glad the doctor was pretty well engaged with his horses and let her own musings run upon the pleasant things of the morning and of yesterday with glances at the delightful new world of work and knowledge into which she had entered or was entering and happy resting down on the foundation for all joy so lately known to her whirled along on smooth-going wheels in that bright brisk day little interrupted with talk these thoughts and meditations took fair little flying passages through her head chasing and succeeding each other put in and put out by the lights and shadows the hills and fields sky and trees and wind clouds as the case might be and mixing up with them all dr harrison had come for her this time in an easy pleasant going curricle drawn by beautiful animals who felt beautifully in that gay wind they looked so certainly every motion from ears to tail telling of life and the enjoyment of it you are not afraid of anything i know said dr harrison one time when he had been obliged to hold them in with a good deal of decision or i would have brought the old family trotter for you what makes you think so dr harrison i have had proof of it he said looking at her faith shook her head a little and could have told him several things but did not you are not afraid of these fellows she said no there is no pleasure in handling what gives you no trouble don't you think so faith sought for illustrations of the subject in her own experience did not find them now look at those fellows the doctor went on they are fit to fly out of their skins but a little bit of steel in their mouths and a good rein and a strong hand at the end of it and they are mine and not their own he said giving them a powerful check at the same time which brought them on their haunches and they know it now isn't there some pleasure in this 
"'It is rather a man's pleasure,' said Faith. "'Isn't it?' "'Do you think so?' said the doctor. "'Ah, you know better. Do you mean to say,' he added softly, "'that a woman doesn't know the pleasure of power?' "'I don't think I do,' said Faith, meeting his eyes with a smile. He smiled, too, a different smile from what was usual with him. The drive was long, much longer than Faith had counted upon, although they went so fast. Down by the river, the doctor had said, but it appeared not yet what part of the river he was aiming for. Still it was beautiful, the broken country open and free, with the cloud shadows and the brilliant sunlight driving across it, and grey sharp rocks everywhere breaking it, and tufts and reaches of brown or sere woodland diversifying it, was not easy to weary of. Nor did Faith weary. The doctor's words had sent her off on a long journey of thought, while she travelled over all that open, sunlight and shadow country. Starting from the words, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, she had gone on to moral government and suasion, the means and forces of both, not failing to illustrate largely here from personal experience, and on and up to the one great and strong hand that holds the reins of all, and makes even sunlight and shade, rock and hill, do his work and bidding. But now, in all that broad picture of life and life-work, appeared a little dark spot, which, small as it was, formed for the moment the vanishing point, where every line of beauty and sunlight met and ended. For with that strange recognizing of unknown things, Faith saw before her the house where the dying woman lay, and knew it for that before the doctor spoke. A plain, brown, unpainted house, straight and square, with no break of piazza or window-blinds, tapestried on the front with frost-bitten gourd vines, the yellow and green fruit yet unscathed. The usual little gate and dooryard common to such country houses, the usual remains of autumn flowers therein, the usual want of trees. Yet by the universal law of indemnification, the house was more picturesque than painting and architecture could have made it. Neighbors it had none, for contrast, but a low woody point of land stretched off behind it, reaching out even into the mong, and the mong itself, with its cool, sharp glitter in the stirring wind, and the swash of its blue waves at the very foot of the little paling about the house, its white-sailed craft, its white-winged seagulls. Our lives are rivers gliding free to that unfathomed, boundless sea, the silent grave. Thither all earthly pomp and boast roll to be swallowed up and lost in one dark wave. Thither the mighty torrents stray, thither the brook pursues its way and tinkling rill. There all are equal. Side by side, the poor man and the son of pride lay calm and still. Of the two that now entered that little dooryard, one felt all this, and one did not. The one who had felt the power of an endless life perceived the narrow bounds of this. To the one who had nothing beyond, its domain was vast. And as is often the case, the man went first, and the angel followed. The doctor stepped up to the bedside and made some general inquiries but it did not appear that there was much he could do. "'Mrs. Custers,' he said presently, "'you know I promised I would bring, if I could, a lady to see you. Here she is, Miss Derrick.' Faith came to the side of the bed. Little her quiet face shewed how she was trembling. In her soft, sweet way she asked the sick woman how she did, and Mrs. Custers turned her head a little, and gazed up into the blooming face with strange, eager, feverish eyes, eyes that thirsted, but with no bodily thirst. Then she closed them again, and turned her face away, but said nothing. "'Have you been sick long?' asked Faith. She did not answer then, 
though as if the tones of faith's voice were making their way there came presently a slight quiver of the face and a bright drop or two that the closed eyelids could not quite keep back but she was at that point of time where the fear of man has lost its power where the doctor loses his supremacy and visitors their interest where men and things are pushed like shadows into the background and the mind can see no objective save the great white throne this was what the silence expressed it was not dislike nor churlishness but those surface questions failed to reach her where she stood the next gentle and tender what is the matter was so spoken that it found her even there her eyes came back to faith's face with the sort of look they had given before and then she spoke where would you be going if you were lying where i be faith heeded not the doctor then nor anything else in the world she waited an instant she had drawn herself up on hearing the question then leaning forward again she said slowly and tenderly i should be going to be happy with my divine redeemer are not you what makes you think you would because i have his word for it said faith he says that whoever believes in him shall not perish that every one that loves him shall be with him where he is i believe in him and love him with my whole heart and i know he is true he will not cast me away slowly clearly the words were spoken so that they might every one enter and be received by the ears that heard the woman looked at her scanned her examined her looked down towards the foot of the bed of the doctor then back at faith do you believe all that she said i know it said faith with a tiny bit of joy speaking smile again that intent look well he don't she said with a motion towards the doctor which of ye am i to believe don't believe either of us said faith quickly her look rather brightening than otherwise though the play of her lips took a complicate character believe god don't you know his words i suppose i do some of em i can't believe anything with him down there looking at me she said impetuously he said he didn't believe and i keep thinking of that will you believe him rather than god rather than the lord jesus who came and gave his very life for us to bring us to heaven do you think he would tell us anything but truth after that his words are he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live well i'm most dead said the woman in a sort of cold hopeless tone let jesus make you live said faith in a voice as warm and loving the doctor said he couldn't she answered in the same tone as before he believes that anyhow faith answered my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me and i give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand that same little quiver passed over the face but it changed into an irrepressible shudder sit down here on the bed she said looking up at faith and put your face so i can't see his'n and then you may talk and with that fair head for a screen as if it really warded off some evil influence mrs custers lay and listened quietly for a while but then her hands were clasped over her face and she broke into a low sobbing fit as if mind and body were pouring out their griefs together not loud not hysterical but weary subdued overpowering until the utter exhaustion brought sleep faith got off the bed then looked at her looked at the doctor and then by an irrepressible feeling sunk on her knees leave her 
go out of the house with him she could not until she had put the cause of them all into the hand she knew her friend and wished theirs a few moments motionless hiding of her face during which as indeed during the whole conversation dr harrison was nearly motionless too and used his eyes silently and faith rose from her knees she gave another look at the poor weary face that lay there and then led the way out of the house the doctor followed her having perhaps got more than enough of this result of his ride but as he was unfastening his horses or rather after he had done it and was waiting to hand her in faith addressed him dr harrison on whose errand do you go telling that woman that god's word is not true she spoke gently yet as the doctor faced her he saw that her soft eye could be steady as an eagle's he did not answer not for god's service she went on answering herself nor for yours see to it she turned and let him put her into the carriage and they set off again but the drive homewards promised to be as silent as the drive out had been the doctor was grave after another fashion now with a further down gravity and scarce looked at anything but his horses except when a glance or a hand came to see if faith was well wrapped up from the wind or to make her so and either action was done not with his accustomed grace merely but with even a more delicate tender care of her than ordinary faith was in little danger of cold for some time grief and loving sorrow were stirred and stirring too deeply for thought or feeling of anything else only that beneath and with them her heart was singing singing in notes that seemed to reach her from the very harps of heaven i thank thee uncreated sun that thy bright beams on me have shined as they went on however and mile after mile was passed over again and the afternoon waned the wind clouds seemed thicker and the wind more keen faith felt it and began to think of home the horses felt it too and perhaps also thought of home for they traveled well what are you meditating miss derrick the doctor said at length almost the first word he had spoken i was thinking just at that minute sir of the use of beauty in the world the use of beauty said the doctor looking at her he would have been astonished if the uppermost feeling had not been of relief what is its use to make the world civilized and habitable isn't it no said faith i should think it was meant to make us good look at the horses dr harrison the carriage had turned an angle of the road which brought the wind pretty strongly in their faces the horses seemed to take it as doubtful fun or else to be inclined to make too much fun of it they were all alive with spirit rather excited than allayed by their miles of quick travelling the doctor tried to quiet them by rein and voice both they get a little too much oats for the work they do said he i must take them out oftener take care of this wind miss derrick i haven't a hand to help you what's that that was a bunch of weeds thrown into the road just before the horses heads from over the fence and was just enough to give them the start which they were ready for they set off instantly at full run the road was good and clear the carriage was light the wind was inspiriting the oats suggestive of mischief the doctor's boasted rein and hand with all the aid of steel bits were powerless to stop them in vain he coaxed and called to them their speed increased every minute they had made up their minds to be frightened and plunged along accordingly the doctor spoke once or twice to faith encouraging or advising her she did not speak or stir they were just hearing the brow of a hill when an unlucky boy in the road thinking to stay their progress stepped before them and waved his hat over his head faith heard an execration from the doctor then his shout to her don't stir miss derrick 
and then she hardly knew anything else the horses plunged madly down the hill leaped carriage and all across a fence at the bottom of it where the road turned overthrew themselves and landed the doctor and faith on different sides of the carriage in a meadow the doctor picked himself up again and going round to faith lifted her head from the ground but she was stunned by the fall and for a few minutes remained senseless in these circumstances no house being near the doctor naturally shouted to a cap or hat which he saw passing along the road which cap also it happened belonged to sam stoutenburg who was on an errand into the country for his father if ever dr harrison was unceremoniously put aside it was then sam had come rather leisurely at first then with a sort of flying bound which cleared the fence like a thistle down he bore down upon the doctor and taking up faith as easily as if she had been a kitten absolutely ran with her to a spring which welled up through the long meadow grass a few yards off there the doctor found him applying the cold water with both gentleness and skill for sam stoutenburg had a mother and her fingers had been so employed about his own head many a time you're a handy fellow said the doctor with a mixture of expressions as he joined his efforts to sam's that will do it for faith opened her eyes the first word was mother then she sat up and looked around and then covered her face are you hurt said dr harrison after an instant no sir i think not i believe not can you stand up with the help of his hand she could do it easily she stood silent supported by him looking on the prostrate horses and shattered curricle then turned her grave eyes on the doctor don't stand too long miss faith said sam earnestly with trembling lips too for the manhood in him had not got very far are you sure you're not hurt sam said faith giving her hand to him i didn't know it was you who was helping me i only wish i'd been here for you to fall upon said sam with a queer mingling of grief and pleasure seems as if folks couldn't always be in just the right place i am not hurt she said with a little shudder now how are you going to do to get home said the doctor looking much concerned shall i i will walk home she said interrupting him you are not able we are three miles at least from mrs derrick's house you could not bear it i can walk three miles she said with a faint fair smile i will go home with sam and you can take care of the horses that would be a tolerably backhanded arrangement said the doctor young man will you bring these horses into town for me after i get them on their legs to judge harrison's or anywhere i must take care of this lady and see her safe yes i'll bring em into town said sam but miss faith's to be seen to first if they don't get on their legs all night that'll be a work of time i take it miss faith could you walk just a little way there's a house there and maybe a wagon you don't understand me said the doctor i asked if you would do me the favor to bring my horses into town i will take care of the lady sam considered a minute not the doctor but things miss faith he said i can run faster than you can walk beyond all calculation if you'll keep warm here i'll run till i find a wagon for if you don't ride and tell the story someone else will and then there's two people will be hurt worse than you are you'd get home quickest so faith was about to speak but the doctor prevented her then you refuse to take care of my horses he said i told you i would take care of the lady bother the horses said sam impatiently who's to think about horses with miss faith here frightened to death i'm ready to drive em all over creation when i get ready dr harrison faith in her turn interposed i would rather walk than wait dr harrison if sam knows some house near by i would rather walk so far with him than wait for him to go and come again 
We could send someone to help you then. Sam, you'll help Dr. Harrison get the horses up. So much Sam was willing to do, and the doctor with such grace as he might accepted. That is, with no grace at all. The horses, with some trouble and difficulty, were raised to their feet and found whole. The carriage was broken too much to be even drawn into town. Faith then set out with her escort. "'How far is your house, Sam?' But Sam shook his head at that. The nearest one of any sort was a poor sort of a place, where sometimes they had a wagon standing and sometimes didn't. "'But we can try, Miss Faith,' he said in conclusion. Sam's arm was a strong one. And certainly, if he could have induced his companion to lean her whole weight on it, his satisfaction would have increased in proportion. As it was, he gave her good help. And thus they had walked on, in the fading afternoon light, more than what to faith was just a little way, when the first house came in sight. Fortunately, the wagon was at home, and before it stood an old horse that one of the men said he should like to see run. But for once such deficiency was the best recommendation. Another man set off on foot to find and help Dr. Harrison, and the owner of the slow horse gave the reins to Sam. The wagon was not on springs, and the buffalo skin was old, and the horse was slow, beyond a question. But it still it was easier than walking, and even quicker. Sam Stoutenberg did his best to make Faith comfortable, levying upon various articles for that purpose, and drove along with a pleasure which, after all, can never be unmixed in this world. Even Sam felt that for his long-drawn, oh, Miss Faith, said much, and carried Faith's thoughts, she hardly knew why, to more than one person at home. Sam, said Faith, I don't want to say anything about this tonight. Well, ma'am, I won't say a word, if I can help it. Do you mean to anybody, Miss Faith? Not to anybody. I mean not to anyone at home. I won't if I can help it, Sam repeated, but it's my night to stay with Mr. Linden. Is it? Well, what if it is? I don't know, said Sam dubiously. He has a funny way of reading people's faces. But what is going to be in yours, Sam? I don't know that neither, said Sam. But the fact is, Miss Faith, he always does find out things. And if it's anything he's got to do with, you may just as good tell him at once as to fuss round. A pretty significant piece of information upon which Faith mused. It was not so late when they reached Mrs. Derrick's door that the good lady's anxiety had got fairly under way. At that moment, indeed, she had quitted the front of the house and gone to hurry Cindy and the tea-kettle, so that Faith was in the house and her escort dismissed before Mrs. Derrick appeared. "'Why, pretty child,' she said, "'here you are. I was very near getting worried, and I went up and asked Mr. Linden what time it was, lest the clock shouldn't be right, but he seemed to think it wasn't worth while to fret about you yet. You're tired to death,' she added, looking at Faith. You're as pale as anything, child. Yes, mother, I'm very tired. And very glad to get home, she would have said, but her lips failed it. Well, do sit down, child, said her mother, and I'll take your things upstairs. Tea's all ready. That'll do you good, and then you shall go right to bed. But that did not seem what Faith was ready to do. Instead of that, she preferred to sit down by her mother, and wrap her arms round her again, and lay her head in her mother's lap. Even then she did not sleep though she was by no means inclined to talk, and answered Mrs. Derrick's fond or anxious words with very few in return, low and quiet, or with quiet caresses. And when her mother was silent to let her sleep, Faith was silent too. They had sat so motionless for a while when Faith changed her posture. She got up, sat down on a chair by her mother's side, laid her head in her neck, and wrapped her arms around her in turn. Mother, she said most caressingly, when will you begin to follow Christ with me? I want that. I want that. End of chapter 24